0: Hello and welcome to the Marysville Church of Christ podcast. This is Heritage. And my name is Bishop Darby. I'll be your host today. Today's story, we find ourselves in the midst of a city of Colossae, where we find a young boy, probably between the ages of 12 and 15, hiding, waiting. This boy is a slave to a rich nobleman named Philemon. He himself, probably an Eastern Greek, probably taken in one of the recent raids. His father, maybe, maybe mother too, would have been part of a rebel group of Greeks vying for Greek independence. Maybe the dad died in battle. Maybe the whole family was taken. But regardless, this young boy was taken far from his homeland and sold into slavery. Now, in Colossae, and with his master, he probably had a lot of gracious treatment. What we know about the man Philemon, he wasn't probably beaten. He probably wasn't battered. He was probably fed and clothed well. But he grew up an independent man. He, maybe like his father before him, had a streak of, of determination Craving for independence. And tonight was the night he was going to get it. Sitting there and waiting, and waiting, and waiting. He waited until Philemon fell asleep. Until the night had come. Until the guards were out. Colossae, a city known for its smuggling at this time, had many entrances and exits that would have been easy if you knew the underground world to sneak in and out of the city. And so he did. Wrapping himself in a black cloak, this young boy snuck out of the home, and he began to run down the street, jumping shadow to shadow, being anxious at the sign of any light, until eventually he found one of the smuggling holes and escaped. Imagine the fear and the dread as he emerged on the other side of the walls, running with everything he has. Imagine the concern every time an owl would hoot or a bat would fly overhead, any time an animal would make noise in the woods. The way his heart would drop and stomach would sink. Had someone found him? Had they discovered him? Was he going to fail his escape? Imagine again how intense that journey would have been for him, not knowing where exactly he was going to go, just knowing that he needed to get out and start a life new. This young boy running, running for his life, and running for his freedom. You can imagine over the next couple of days what would have happened. Taking probably some money he stole from Philemon when he left, he would have been able to feed himself and stay at ends, maybe find a couple of cities or outposts here and there to find shelter and cover. Each place coming up with a new identity, a new name, a new lie. Afraid that someone, anyone, might find out. I mean, it would have been strange enough to watch a 12- to 15-year-old boy running in the middle of a Roman road. Over the next couple days, as the clarity in his brain came back and the fear began to subside, he came up with a plan, a plan that to him seemed brilliant and foolproof. I'm going to go to Rome, the biggest city in the world. And there I can blend in, be invisible, and I can find a new life. In Rome, no one's going to look at me differently because I'm Greek. No one knows who I was. I'll blend in and be invisible among the crowd. So he goes to Rome. Months go by, maybe years, and he's made a new life for himself. Perhaps he's an apprentice of a shop. Perhaps he's working uh, for the government and local maintenance, working on the roads or caring for the walls. Whatever it is, one day he finds himself probably in a marketplace hearing whispers, whispers from the underground of this radical new man named Saul. A man who was teaching this radical message that all people were equal and that in this Messiah, in this king, there was no male or female, no slave nor free, no Jew or Greek, but everyone is one. This message would have been radical, exciting, and enticing to him. And eventually, he probably wasn't going to be able to stay away. And so this man, Onesimus, this slave, now freed, finding a new identity, found himself walking into the home of Aquila and Priscilla and listening to this small Jewish man deliver a lesson. And what we know about Saul's lessons, they probably went something like this. He probably started in the Exodus the story of Israel's enslavement. Their freedom when they burst out of Egypt and wandered the wilderness and how that led them into the promised land. A promised land that led to the kings, that led to the prophets, the exile, and ended in this new hope of a Messiah, King Jesus, who brings freedom to the whole world. This consistent message of slavery to freedom, of creation and new creation, of new independence a new identity, would have been something that he craved, Onesimus needed. And so Onesimus the slave, now the freedman, accepted King Jesus, the Messiah, and began to follow this man Saul. We don't know when it came out. Maybe it was over dinner one night. Maybe they were sitting by the fire, perhaps after a service. Maybe, maybe Onesimus decided to help Paul in his uh, tent shop. Along the way, Paul discovers the history of Onesimus, how he was a slave that had escaped. And what's even worse is he knew his master, Philemon. They probably met in Ephesus. Imagine the moment when they're sitting across the table from each other, maybe reclining, eating a meal. And Paul looks him square in the face and says, Onesimus, you have to return. You absolutely have to go back. Imagine the thoughts that would have flooded Onesimus as he thinks to himself, but I have finally found a new life, a new independence. I am free in Christ. I never want to return to the bondage of sin. Isn't that what you've been teaching, Saul? Saul? For freedom's sake, be free, and never again put on the yoke of slavery. Imagine the anger, the resentment, and the concern that he would have had. And imagine how, how gently, Paul would have just reminded him that this is his calling and this is his duty. And finally, the love that he had for this new Messiah king, Onesimus accepted his fate and prepared to return home. But Saul wasn't going to make him go back empty-handed. Saul wrote a letter to Philemon. And Saul slash Paul had this beautiful way of defending him, calling him his brother, even using the whole church to encourage Philemon to bring him back and not punish him because the punishment for a runaway slave was capital, death. And in this moment, we see this beautiful, powerful, and profound Love that Saul had for Onesimus, the slave. And the remarkable love this boy, 12 to 16 years old now, had for Jesus. Paul loaded up Onesimus with the letter of Philemon and sent along with him a man named Tychus who had in his possession the epistle of Colossians. And both of them would have made the long travel to Colossae. Onesimus preparing for the worst. Along the way, they would have had several conversations, Tychus and him, where Tychus would have encouraged him, tried to comfort this young boy. They would have reviewed the letter of Colossians over and over and over again, prepared to expound on it when they get there. And imagine how many times, dozens of times, that Onesimus would have read the book of Philemon, relishing the phrase, Onesimus, my son. See, to Onesimus, he never quite had that father figure. Saul was that for him. Saul who had rescued him. Saul who had saved his soul. Saul who gave him a purpose in life. Saul who made him go back into slavery. We don't exactly know what happens next. We don't know how Philemon receives him, but what we do know is this, that when they got in Colossians or Colossae, It would have been Onesimus and Tychus who would have taught the book of Colossians for the first time in human history. They would have read it out loud and and expounded upon its message. You can imagine the timid little hands of Onesimus as he opens up this letter, the scroll of Philemon, and reads it to the whole church, Philemon standing there, looking upon him. Onesimus the slave, the freed and the slaved again, willing to give it all up for his king Jesus but his story doesn't end there. No, years later, we find Onesimus returning onto the scene in Ignatius' letter to the church of Ephesians. He says this, I receive therefore your whole multitude in the name of God through Onesimus, a man of inexpressible love and your pastor in the flesh whom I pray you by Christ Jesus to love, and that you would all seek to be like him, and blessed be him who has granted unto you being worthy to obtain such an excellent pastor. He goes on to say this, I have received as the manifestation of your love in all things Onesimus, who has refreshed me, as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ shall also refresh him, together with Onesimus and Burrus and all the others, I have as to love all of you. Onesimus would go on to be a leading figure in the church of Ephesus. Slave to free to slave to pastor of a church himself. What we know from church history is that Onesimus was revered and respected. He was loved and cared for. He apparently was inexpressible in his love and his compassion to others, which makes sense considering his background where he had come from, to what he had become. In many ways, I think this teaches us an important lesson. We maybe find ourselves like Onesimus, finding ourselves with a past, a journey to Christ that's unlike many others. And maybe we find ourselves holding that back, holding ourselves back because of it. But what if God is wanting to use you, like Onesimus, from slave to free to leader. What if you have a chance of changing the future by learning from the past? And what if you can change our future heritage like Onesimus?